Yes, gua, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, what? Yes, ain't wag wag and wag How are we guys? What's going on? You're not gonna believe this. <laughs> the return. He's here. <laughs> Jules is oh, back, man, guys. Oh my! Can you believe it, Shane? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, isn't it? What do you mean? It's been two weeks. No, hey, but you're never on. The when was the last anymore? podcast that you're on? All the, the open one. All the comments is just saying, "Where's Jules?" Like, yeah, as long as I missed, he's been there. That's the important part. Know, he's yeah. back, Shane. It's good to have you back, though, big man. Yeah, yeah. always miss the lads. He's been a bit sick and, and this and that, hasn't he? Been busy. Bit of this, bit of that. Yeah. Being but. an absolute can't swear. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Your quiff's on fire today, Joe. Yeah, That's what I was saying. That's the whip. Absolute Sergio Ramos. It's Ramos. <laughs> it's the Ramos, actually. Come on. Vamos, Ramos, And Shane, you literally like Rudolph today. Oh, no. I got the worst sunburn at the races. You know, we went, we went, uh, went to the races on Saturday, didn't we, Shane, for your birthday? We did, yeah. And um, Shane all forgot to put some sun lotion on his nose. I didn't think it was going to be that hot, but back of my head, my nose, my, he- my forehead. Yeah, but as soon as you're out in the sun, it's all over for you, Shane. Oh, Jules, oh. Jules, how was the races on Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for turning up, Jules. Didn't want to turn up on Shane's birthday. Standard. Loves it. it. Him and Baz just might as well just do their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Baz. So we don't even want to talk nah, about nah, it. Nah, nah. Not even get on bad. Nah, it was good there, the rest of though. Very good. Um, enjoyed it. Just lost a lot of money. That's all, Shane. Yeah, that's part of the day. It's part what of the day. What time did they not finish altogether, Shaz? <sighs> Could have early doors because I think none of us had any money left. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we, we went in bed by five. We went to the casino and then that's always the end of the day. Yeah, that's going casino. It's a guaranteed yeah. night ender if you Why go to the casino. I don't, I don't want to go. Know. I don't want to go. But, nah, it was good there. I got back, what? Well, I, I got back at like 12 or something. So no, it wasn't that bad of it. It's pretty chilled. Anyway, guys, we uh, we hope you're all well. Uh, the the podcast now on twelve lads. Yeah, flying. We should try and fit in two a week, you know. Give no. the give the fans <laughs> what they want. Try with one of them. Come on, Jules. Just need to move in with Shane. Just move closer down. Lads, oh, not lads. Everyone, for anyone that's listening, we always come to Lee's house. Always makes sense because all the which is messing the way. But. 45 minutes every time, nice and comfortable for him, just batters us when we don't come. Yeah. Lee here in his pyjamas and slippers. I've got my John on one singlet on, <laughs> or vest if you're from the UK, they call it singlet over here. Yeah. Jules, know what you mean, but like I you said, all, all my stuff is oh, here. I know, if we're going to do a podcast, obviously we have to come here, but... So we just got to keep cracking, try to get one a week. Nah, yeah, we'll stick to one. We went off the radar a couple of weeks ago. But Melbourne had us busy. We we're back. Not just that, though. We've been planning for the Cali camp. Definitely yeah. try to get something sorted in the Cali camp. Oh. Like a, I love the Melbourne one, though. The Melbourne on the road podcast was, was just quality. Just the plane, sure everyone's ear off. Oh, imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> Absolute. <laughs> send everyone to sleep on the plane. What? <laughs> oh, quality. It's good to have you back, Jules. Um... Like I said, we're on our 12th podcast, which is really good. Guys, if you're new to our podcast, make sure you subscribe now and go back to listen to, to some of our episodes. We like to think that they're educational, uh, that you get something out of it, thrown in with a bit of bants, yep. whatever. Uh, and today's one, we are going to be answering some questions from Instagram. Yeah, we got Shane, some. Oh yeah. We got a couple of questions from um, Instagram some yesterday. Good, some good today. ones, Some pretty good ones, yeah. So uh, today's podcast is dedicated to question and answer. I think Jules. Yeah. It's always good to to hear what um like the followers and stuff yeah. want to know about and different 
we're very close to 100,000 on Instagram, which is going to be some achievement when we get it. So, mm. how many questions have we got, Shane? You've picked some good ones. I've got a question, actually. Yeah. Jules, what product are you using? In your <laughs> what concrete? Like, what concrete are you using on that? <laughs> Mac in UK. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Oh, we need to put a photo up of, of Jules' train here because it's... I will. I've got it on video. Guys, just, just so you know, um, on our YouTube channel, we do, uh, if Ray gets this Melbourne documentary done, <laughs> uh, I've asked Ray to do the Melbourne documentary and it's been about four months. Anyway, what we normally do on YouTube, Shaz, is uh, we do best bits of the podcast. Yeah. So guys, if you're listening and you want to watch some of the podcasts, some of the best bits, head over to YouTube, make sure you subscribe first. And then some of our best bits of the podcast on there. So if you want to see Jules's Barnet right now, I'll put it on YouTube not for bad, you. Um, Shaz, or Sharon, or Trevor, <laughs> or Darug. Fire or away. Or Can we just ease into it? Don't go into, don't two foot straight away. Just give us a nice little question to start off with, Shane. All right. Um, Dr. Fadi Habanbanu. Oh, wow. Hey, easy question. Go on. Where are you guys located? Oh, that's a nice little easy question. If you're a true, if you're a true fan, Doctor Father Habanu Badu, um, you'll know where we're located. We are located in Sydney, Australia. But a lot of people actually do get confused with this. I think because of my English ac- English accent and Shane's God knows what accent, Jules. <laughs> whatever accent mix of everything yeah we have kind of a mix of accents going on but we're actually from Sydney Australia um, but we do travel to Melbourne uh, we do travel to Brisbane and obviously we're going to America this year so we do travel um, mainly so Sydney though most of our sessions in Sydney aren't yeah that, that was a good question to start off with Shaz easy in next one this I'm one. just hoping that the Instagram name is easier to say on this one yeah no that was tricky this one great name VIP beer drinker 777 <laughs> lovely name <laughs> is bodybuilding good for soccer players if not explain why wow Jules is a bodybuilder for anyone that doesn't know. <laughs> on, so you could answer that that's a big one but bodybuilding is a sport of its own uh, to an extent is bodybuilding good for soccer players surely well, what do you reckon that I'm going to keep it short and sweet I would say it's not majorly important you do have to do some football specific strength and conditioning whether I put bodybuilding into that bracket I don't know what is bodybuilding getting huge oh yeah bodybuilding it's, yeah it's building it's like building muscles yeah so, and you can well if you're talking about real bodybuilding yeah well that's what I see bodybuilding as so you're you're building a certain type of body which isn't for football yeah that's I'm, not, probably I'm not an best. expert but yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's too much power stuff in bodybuilding whereas a lot of the football programs are quite power staff and explosive yeah. stuff. We have um, an online training program which is very popular. A lot of people download it across the globe. Um, and our online training program focuses on football-specific strength and conditioning. So a lot of stuff that, that is relevant to the game. Explosive power, endurance, conditioning, uh, a lot of core work, you know, um, so yeah, the bot. I see bodybuilding as someone that's really big, strong, all that type of stuff. Can't move. It's except. yeah, it's different. Yeah, isn't it? Like for football, you don't need to be massive. Really, no. like you look at some of the best players in the world. Neymar, Messi, they're quite small. They're so small. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just that the different strength. I, I I I feel. I put a quote on the Instagram the other day about you know being strong, fast, powerful are all great attributes to have, but the best players are the smartest ones. So 
Mm. It's not, you know, bodybuilding, I want to say, is very important. It's a good question at that. Next one. Go on Zach on. Fontaine, underscore, what can small players do to play against, play better against bigger opponents? That's a great question. So that, that, so that, I think that's a general one favourite. That, that, that will lead on, obviously, from what we've just been speaking about. That of. is a very, very good question. One of the biggest things that has always frustrated me, even when I was growing up, is when clubs, um, they release players cause and they use the excuse that they're too small. Yeah. That drives me insane. I just don't know how clubs can say that, release a player, when the best player in the world is the small, one of the smallest players in the world. I just don't get that. Mm. Um, that's, do you want to start, to start us off with that? Because you're quite, you're quite a small player in, in, in regards to that, and you've played at a good level. Yeah, I've had that as well. Like You have that through your career if you're quite a small player. Like people do always question that, the size and stuff like that, but... Well, to play better, I've never really, I never really worry too much about who I'm playing against. I feel like that if you do what you do properly and you do it well in terms of getting on the ball and stuff like that, I just, I never really struggled really against our bigger players. Yeah, I work, obviously had to work a little bit more on that strength stuff and be able to hold people off. But I found that being lower to the ground and smaller, you have a bit of better balance. And the bigger guys come and knock you off, but you kind of you can brush them off and, and move by them a little bit quicker. But um, yeah, if you're struggling as a small player, I just um, my my advice will be to work on your balance, work on that little bit of core strength, so that when you can be able to brush off them bigger guys, and then just really just move the ball a little bit quicker. If bigger guys are coming in and getting getting to you and making tackles on you, just move the ball a bit quicker so that. Them lads don't really get a chance to get near you. That, that was always my Shaz, way to look at it. That's a great answer. I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. My advice um, to, is it Zach. Zach, yeah. Yeah, my advice to you, Zach, would be um, I would look at how your movement is off the ball. So, in order for you to stay away from these more physical players or, I don't know, faster or stronger players than you, you have to look at, you have to look at how you're getting on the ball. When you receive the ball, how much time have you got on it? Um, and trying to avoid those physical battles with players yeah. that you know you're going to lose that battle against. Um, if you get if you're finding yourself in them battles all the time, it's 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 probably because you know you're not using your body or uh, sorry your movement's not good enough off the ball to create little pockets of space. You know some of the examples we always use are you know Iniesta, Xavi, those type of players, Messi, where they just somehow always find time and space on the ball. Um, and then you don't really need to be physical if you've got time and space but then players like for me no one gets near them no one gets to even put a glove on them no one can tackle them because like you said that movement but um, some short fixes of of that is if you do find yourself in a situation totally agree with Shane it's about getting in a low position good balance position the use of your arms and and, and getting your elbows up high is, is, is really important getting your body in between the ball and player to protect the ball is 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 crucial, mm. um, but if you are a small player and, and a lightweight player like Neymar, like you mentioned, you don't want to try and get yourself into them physical battles because you're more than likely gonna you're more likely gonna come out on the bottom there. So um, that's my advice. Can you try and create more space for yourself? That comes from clever movement and from awareness, and then you won't find yourself in them physical battles. Julius, yeah, I mean, 
Oh, to be fair, you boys covered it quite well. My biggest one was actually what you said. You have to try and avoid those battles, especially against the bigger players. And that, I think that comes from an understanding of the game, 100%, what you do without the ball. You've got to be in a position where you, if when you receive, you have enough time to do whatever it is you're going to do next without getting into that battle with another player. Um, but I think it also, talking about protecting the ball, sometimes people think that protecting the ball is all about your size or how strong you are. But it, I think it comes more from... When you protect the ball, you also have to move the ball, right? So yeah. if you're protecting the ball, you have to be able to move the ball away from the player trying to get it. Because mm. you can protect the ball, but the player can move around you. And if you don't move the ball, he's going to take it off you anyway. Yeah. So I think, it's, yeah, it's especially like youth football, you see a lot of little players versus maybe older players. And plus, I guess it just has to do with yeah, how well you use your body and how well you understand the game but it's a really good question right? I think it's one that we've just question. missed before we go on to the next one is make quick decisions mm. so if the ball's coming to you make a quick decision maybe a yeah. first time pass around the corner if you if your brain is thinking quick then you're definitely going to avoid them battles um, I hope we covered that but that is a great question because I hate when you hear clubs that release players saying they're too small I've yeah. seen them last week I've seen I, don't, I could be wrong it was definitely a a really well-known team and someone showed me that there was a criteria for a, an age group so like through their academy I don't know I don't know what it was I wouldn't say the team anyway but there was a criteria that you had to meet in terms of your height for each before you could go on trial with this team and I think that's just completely well you can't control that as a player like you can only control how but, how dedicated you are how how good you are how hard you train how much better you get every day you can't control how high or I don't know how strong you're going to be at that age but that's embarrassing, I embarrassing. like Messi's Messi's smaller than me like if you look at the measurements mm. and then I've also like for me football is played on the, ga- on the ground so why should your height be be, be too much comes too much into it do you know what I mean like at the end of the day you're going to pass it on the ground yeah. I think the only thing that a, a smaller player will struggle with and that's that the, that comes more from patience in the coaches is that let's say you you have a player that goes from under 14s to under 15s and he hasn't maybe grown a little bit and he's still the same size and the 15 year olds are going to be bigger he might struggle a little bit to keep up with the pace of the game in mm. terms of you know running and moving that might be the only thing but I think within two or three months he'll pick that up anyway mm. but that's to do a lot with patience when um when I used to work in the UK for the academy that I worked for there I did some scouting, uh, scouting for Everton in the area where I coached. And this is, oh, this is going back 10 years now. Maybe, yeah, 10 years. I don't know whether their philosophy has changed now. But I said to the head scout at the time, all right, I'll keep an eye out for you, but what exactly do you look for in a player? So if I see someone that fits your criteria, I can let you know and maybe give them a chance of a trial. The first thing he said to me was... Can they run? That was it. Can they run? As in run at speed or run? Yeah, like. Well, why would you be looking on a football pitch and just go out to a running track? And look, look for that's what they, they said to me. They wanted like good running technique, powerful, strong players. That's what they wanted. Good running technique, faster. He said if they were fast, then that's great because their philosophy, their philosophy was, if they can get a, a big, strong, physical, fast player. They feel like they can get them up to speed on the technical side. No. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. And then I was like, really? Yeah. Like you wouldn't really look at a player's technical ability first, and then. Yeah. It was yeah. It was 
very do you very reckon wide. it's easier to get to make a player that's physically like big and strong and quick good with the ball or do you think it's easier to make someone that's small but very good with the ball big if that makes sense do you know what I'm trying to say yeah I know what you mean well, what's easier the first one it's, oh sorry the second one it's yeah. easier to make, like technique or whatever you want to call it ability on the ball you start developing that from the moment you touch a ball at five six years old mm. you you don't even start developing a running technique till you're older if that, do you know what I mean or you don't start to really grow muscle or become stronger to maybe a 15, 16. Yeah. So but you, you can't make yeah. up for those 10 years that a player might have not touched the ball. Let's say from the, let's say they didn't play from the age of 6 till they were 12, whereas another player did, and they both get to the age of 12 and you have one that's bigger, but he hasn't played football before. But maybe he can run. He's already a little bit more developed, whereas the other kid has played football since he was 6, but he's not really an athlete. He's little. But he has, he has a six-year advantage in terms of what he's done with the ball. Mm. Yeah, it's You can't a, put a price on that. It's such yeah. a tricky, tricky question because you see so many professionals, even in the modern game and at the highest level, that have only got the attributes of speed or physical presence and their technique isn't very good, but yet they're still playing at a good level as well, you know. Mm. There's, a, there's a space for them as well in the game. 100%. You know what I mean? For those quick players that may not be amazing on the ball, but... They offer a different yeah. yeah. See, I, I always say players like Michael Owen back in the day, you take away you take away his lightning speed that he had. I reckon he's an average player. His speed... Could finish that. Yeah, his, his finishing was ridiculous, but his speed got him out of trouble, mm. balls in behind so much. So I feel like... I, I, you have to have a bit of both, to be honest. But technically, technically gifted on the ball is position, the most important. Positional is like that's important as well. Yeah, like game understanding. If you're a centre midfielder, you probably don't naturally or don't necessarily need to be like quick. Yeah. I'd rather them midfielders be better with the ball. Wide players and strikers, maybe yeah. Explosive though, midfield players, you know, over five ten meters, I think is important. You look at Modric, is explosive. Speed to get away from defenders in the first five meters is ridiculous. Dembele as well. Yeah, players like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it works hand in hand, but you know our philosophy at John One One is is becoming technically good and then try and develop everything else after that. You know that's surely got to be that's top of the list for me. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. We all have to obviously be working off the same sheet, but yeah, that was a great question and it went for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, love it, son. Zach Galafinakis. Charles, go on. Throw, throw. Carlos Jorge's eight. Lovely pronunciation. What's the most important thing you need to make a two pro? Ting. What's the most important thing you need to make it professional? Let's go. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because the last one was a huge answer. Just go one, two. One. No, let's all give one one thing each. That's That's it. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. Starting with you got here, Tez. We'll start with Julius Caesar. Right, cool. Go, Jules. It can only be one thing. You have to be able to deal with adversity. Wow, lovely. Um, mine in the deep end. Mine is without shadow of a doubt. Positive mindset. Lovely. You have to have the mindset to play. Darren. Professional. Well, I'd say you, just, you have to be dedicated. You have to be willing to put things that might might hinder your chances of making a pro to one side and just completely focus on training 
preparing and getting things ready to actually make it to professional because that question could go on for hours hours my one I feel like with the mindset a lot of people are great players mm. but they don't have the mindset to deal with adversity or things not going their way or a bad injury I think in football at the highest level it's it's just I don't think you can even imagine how hard it is you know? people think it's all it's rosy but yeah. once you get to the highest level you've got to be able to deal with a lot of stuff mentally and emotionally oh, yeah, it's forget about it that's why I say mindset because mm. it's just people don't you know people are not prepared like you're going to People are not prepared. You're going to be alone. You're going to be living without your family most of the times. And anything goes bad, you have to deal with it on your own. Yeah. There's not going to be people that will help you. But before that, you have to be dedicated. Yeah. yeah. And you have to walk your nuts off to get down, you know what I mean? 100%. Good question. That could go, yeah. Um, move on. We go Sadre. A few numbers. Like One, two, three, four, five. Could be. Wow. Lovely, lovely name. Some Sadre. crazy Great account. <laughs> How do you keep your work, work ethic consistent? How do you keep your work ethic consistent? Some good questions this week. Love it, guys. There's loads, yeah, so we hopefully get through yeah, we'll as get many as we can. Yeah, we'll Again, let's just try and keep it short and sweet because there is some good questions in here. Uh, how do I keep my work ethic consistent? Uh, I'm going to keep it really short and sweet just because I absolutely love I absolutely love what we do, but also um, it's about driving standards and constantly trying to raise the bar. Like for me, for me as a personality, I always want to try and just go one better. How can we improve things? Um, and that's just who I am. I just want to, you know, always raise the bar and keep everything consistent because you got to try and, you know, try your best to stay ahead of the game. But not only that, um, football changes a lot, so you've got to change with it, uh, and you've got to try your best to to stay consistent. Which I believe. As a coach and as a footballer, that's the ha- one of the hardest things, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> You've got to try your best to stay consistent in everything you do. So I think the three of us push each other on that as well. Like, um, you know, we push each other to keep things as consistent as possible. You never know who's watching the training session. Um, but consistency is what keeps us, you know, up to date. And You've got to be consistent. Really. 100% being... It's it's a good question to be fair, but consistency is quite hard to to keep it up. But work ethic for me it just comes from just because I purely love it. Jules, um, for me, I think, and I use myself even as, a, as an example. I think individually, so as as your own person, you have to find the ability to even on a day that you don't feel like going on the field or doing whatever it is that you're doing, find the ability to still do it. Go ahead with it. Um, again, we go back. That's consistency. But I think every person deals with that differently. So you find a way where even on the days that you don't feel like working, like going to the gym, like going to the ground, you know that you have to get it done. Yeah. Mm. And for that, I think you have to have an end goal. So we have an end goal here at Journal 101, and that's what we, I guess, strive for every day. So even as a footballer, you have to find and have an end goal that makes worth going out on the pitch when you don't want to or when your body feels tired, that you're like, you know what? I know that I have to go, and once I'm done, I'm gonna I'm gonna be thankful that I did it. So just find something within yourself that helps you good push answer, through those tough moments. Really good answer. End goal, I think it was a good one. Mm. Robert, Chaz, you think we covered all that? Yeah, pretty answer? much. But for me personally, my the way I kind of 
approach like my whole life really is from when I was young I was always kind of brought up with with my dad obviously dad meaning dad yeah he used to be not big on it but he like he'd be big on like just get up and like do your work and, Mm -hmm. and be like that consistency don't be like if there's something to be done go and do it don't be worrying or trying to get out of it you know what I mean and but that's it's so easy to say and it's just hard to find that mentality yeah so now even now when I, when I get up and I'm not coaching I feel like you can ask anyone even like whoever I, I don't I feel like like use is kind of yeah, when I want to have a day off mm-hmm. so like so for me I, it's just part of my life to get up and coach and, and train and stuff you like sometimes that. find that so when let's say you're coaching three, four, five days in a row and obviously your body to an extent mm-hmm. or your mind will last for a day off and then as soon as you have that day off, you're like, wow, I want to be coaching. Yeah. So when you're coaching, sometimes you're like, oh, I wouldn't mind a day off. As soon as you have it, you're like, I want to be on the field. Yeah, it's yeah. It's constant battle. But pe- yeah, 100%. Mm. But I reckon people in, and I always say this we miss, people people hate Mondays. But for me, I love Mondays. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Like, I get up on Monday. Like, so everyone knows, Shaz is the only coach that coaches on Monday, huh? Mm. To, like, this morning, I was up at, like, Four fifteen today, and going to well, I wasn't. I was about five o'clock when I was left. But like, it's no one's up. Do you know what I mean? But sitting's a little bit busy. But you're kind of on your own, and you're kind of just like back focus on the week. And I love that feeling. Yeah, you know it's good. And, it, and it gives me that buzz to get out of bed. I think also it's a just the last thing on this one. It's a personality trait as well. Mm. So a lot of people that again go back to that positive mindset or what Jules said. You got to find a way to do it. A lot of people will find that little excuse and then they won't they won't right. do it. Right as soon as they get that little moment, I'm like that sometimes with the gym, as you can tell. Um as soon as I get that one Yeah, as soon as I get that one little bit of excuse, I'm like, right, that's fine. Hundred percent that's me out. And that is again for me it's about the, your personality, dedication but, from what Shane but, but, said. But that's before. something that you don't love, the gym. No, I do hate you know what gym. I mean. So so but that's, I know you need to so do So that's why you take them if you got that exit door, you take the exit door. Exactly. And get out. But football's different. Exactly. I should have done that in my career though when I didn't do that enough. Was yeah, the hundred. Do you know what I mean? I hated the gym and I hated conditioning in the gym, but it needed to be done and I didn't do it. But even within everything that you do, like even within coaching, there's gonna be something that we don't like. But you yeah. still have to push through it, and because it's part I don't of like Shane. When yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go until Shane moved down to Sydney. Oh, it's a lad. Definitely gonna be putting the sunscreen on Shane tomorrow, anyway. Okay, moving on, lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. Good, good banter, that. Um, did, did, did we go the keeper's life? We'll, we'll go two more. Yeah, the keeper's life. Yeah, Ooh. great name. What's the biggest role the manager needs to play? E.g., healthy environment. So, as a manager, what's the biggest role he has to play in the team? In your opinions. User, obviously, coaches and teams, so. Yeah, Jules you do, is manager. You do team coaching. Yeah, I'm under 16s. Boys side, yeah. I'm back into yeah. team coaching now as well, which I'm actually really enjoying it, to be it's fair. It's a different dynamic to. Yeah, it, it, to be fair. I think. Some it, stuff, like. For me, I think I've always wanted to be a one on one specialised coach. Mm. You know, one of my goals is to get into a big European club or a club within Australia or however, however it needs to be but um, since I've started coaching the young girls at the institute some of, some of the young Matildas um, it definitely offers a different dynamic and I have missed it actually yeah. uh, it's a bit of a travel but these are the sacrifices you make um, the, it's a big question because obviously there's so many important things but um, 
I'm going from personal experience on this one, Jules. The biggest thing for me, for a manager, is to create a uh, an, an environment that everyone wants to be a part of. So not just not just the players on the field, not just the staff, but everyone, depending on what level you're at, you know. But how do you create that? For me, that's about the quality of training sessions. What are the goals for the team? Creating a good team, uh, a good team morale is probably the biggest thing. I look back at my career and the teams that we were so close together are the ones that were actually the most successful years. Um, so I think I, I believe it's the manager's job to create a culture that's positive and that everyone wants to be a part of it. Mm. Um, one of the best examples I could probably use is Pep Guardiola. You know, every player wants to play for Pep because of the culture that he creates within the club, the whole club, all the way down to the people that cook the players' food, the kit men. We've seen it on the documentary. You know, you you watch a documentary and everyone's a part of it. Everyone that works for the club is a part of it. And um, a bad example of that is probably Jose Mourinho, who, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of what it was like at Manchester United, but most of the time he would just make it about himself. I feel anyway and it just didn't seem like a good culture so one of the most important things for me as a manager depending on what level you're at is everyone needs to be want to be a part of it and they get excited for training they get excited for games and they just want to be in that environment you know if it's a toxic environment a lot of players they don't want to go to training the results are poor it's not sometimes it's not a good place to be no definitely so I think the the environment I'll, I'll just jump in quickly for yeah, Jules, guys. Um, obviously, I'm not a coach of a team. I just do do John one on one training. Um, but for me, as a player, biggest thing I think a manager must have is get um, the respect of the dressing room and have the respect of the players. Because I've been in clubs and teams where I know that the players aren't buying in fully what the manager is saying sometimes. And then once you lose that, it's very hard to get it back. So I think you have to have the respect and that that well, what you say, players are, are actually taking in and actually gone out and doing it. And if you can establish that in a team, then I think you've got a good crack at yeah. it. For me, respect is a big thing. Giuliano? No, I agree. Actually, I was going to touch on what you said. I think especially that, that term respect has changed a lot from before where I think respect came out of the manager just being kind of a, a really hard guy who... Mm. everything was based on punishment so if you don't do this this happens so everyone just respected the manager sometimes out of fear yeah. I think in the modern game players respect you out of how well you communicate what you want from them yeah. how well for me uh, very th- uh, something that's very underrated is planning your sessions yeah. organisation yeah. or for you know for our team staff for myself and Lee I know that for me it's a massive thing and I've been coaching for about three months and maybe I've had one or two sessions where maybe you get a little bit lazy and you don't plan and you can definitely tell the difference but I always have my sessions even a week in advance planned and I think the players now they respect what you put on the field how much you dedicate to being organised I think that's where the respect comes from as well and in turn they they have to believe that you have the knowledge if they don't believe that you have the knowledge to teach them and to help them out on the field they're never going to buy into it in the modern game you can't lie to players because there's so much information for them now that it's very easy for them to know when something has has been planned or hasn't been planned or where where something is good or something isn't good 
it's very easy for the players to kind of catch you out, yeah. I'll call it. But when, when you hear that saying, oh, he's lost the dressing room, once you hear that, I'll write, that's for me, that's the first, mm. they're on the way out. Yeah. If, if that's coming out, they've lost the dressing room, there's players. And that's where the difference is as well. Like Man United, that time. Yeah, so that's where the difference is as well, for example, myself and Lee, we coach at youth level, to actual a first grade environment or a professional environment where you have to have, like, win the dressing room and have it on your side of the time. As youth football, you don't really have that rebellious culture at youth football too much. No. Though, though they respect you just for the fact that they're young and you're older. Yeah. I think that's a little bit of a difference between youth and and senior football, man. Totally agree. Because youth football, the players pretty much straight away, they just respect you mm. straight away because it's their job to do that because they're trying to aspire to become pros. Um, but obviously men's football, high-end women's football is completely, yeah, completely different. But I liked your point there, Jules, where you said that you just can't fool players anymore. You know, there is a lot of information out there. Players are a lot more switched on. You, you've got to know what you're doing. Organisation, preparation is a big thing. But that was a good question, that, Daz. Yeah, it was. And I felt like we gave some good answers as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got lots of different... We need to finish with a good question, one. mate. We need to finish with a good question. I want to go, I wanna answer me, me mad Dan the man. Dan question. the man. But Danny, yeah. Um, have a read. Danny, Danny Led, Ledwit, is it? Yeah. Can you say that for me, Shay? Danny Ledwit. Ledwit. My best mate. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Danny. Also, shout out. Loves it. Also, alright, yeah. Me and Jules not in that. Um, also, shout out to Dara. Dara. Legend round there. Um, Danny, what do you think the biggest difference between the culture of football in UK and Ireland and Australia? Danny, me and Shane. We love you very much, but we're not going to answer that question today, Danny, because uh, we feel like we could probably go on for a good hour on that one. <laughs> um, That's why I gave it to But uh, we, we finish on Tracy's then. Tracy football. Oh. Tracy's up. Guest football. Uh. Wow, that's a, that's actually. Gonna... How, how do you cope with the weather? Well, if you haven't looked at my nose, Tracy, cope <laughs> very we well because it's red. <laughs> That's not. I don't want to finish on that question, but Trace, the, when we went to Melbourne, oh. yeah, I think it was the worst. It was fifty degrees, wasn't it? I've never yeah. felt it. No, like it was ever. Put, no, it was pushing sixty on that. On that. <laughs> <side>. <laughs> the first time actually, I saw Shane like struggling. Yeah, I was dead. Struggling. I was dead. It, guys, we we'd obviously had the sessions planned for ages, but we just didn't want to cancel. We didn't want to let the kids down. But oh, went like my vision, everything was gone. It was. It, it was, was like, bad. Relentless heat. Uh, last one then, guys. We'll finish with Jack Graham. Jackie Graham, yep. Oh, he's even gone with the nicknames. Love it, Jack Graham. <laughs> Jonas, Shaz and Jules, explain the moment you knew you were in love with football. What age? We'll finish on that one. Uh, I like that. i seen this earlier and I thought that. There's an, I can't go back and say... Well, what, just quietly, well, Jack Graham calling you Shaz. Love uh, it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna go first, Yeah, well, like it's kind of hard one to answer because for me, I there's never there's not one thing in my life that I go back and go. Oh, that's when I love football. Mm. For me, football has just been been biggest part of my life probably pretty much since I can ever remember. So mm. I can't go back and pinpoint a, a time. I'm trying off. to as well. Aren't I? So football has just been been really massive part of my life all the way through. I think my dad just gave me no choice really. Yeah, Tesla was just. 
My first word was ball. <laughs> ball to this day is it's amazing, isn't it? Well, it can't be. be. But that's why you play football. Exactly. Uh, I think we're going to end it there, guys. I think they give some good answers, some great questions. So thank you to everyone on Instagram there. Yeah, sorry to the people that we couldn't get back. Yeah, to, there was there was over five hundred. Um, but make sure, guys, you like and subscribe um, and leave a comment on our podcast, Shane. Yeah, please. Yeah. Hold yeah. on, Jules. Shane was supposed to be head of the podcast. I am. Guess I who am. does all the work? What? What? <laughs> I do the editing. Nibble. <laughs> hop, hop, uh, hop. Hop, 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 hop. Uh, guys and also um, keep an eye out on our YouTube channel we're going to be dropping a video when Ray Ray you alright in there he's in the office when Ray actually finishes the uh, Melbourne documentary but we're going to if you guys want to have a little bit more of an insight on Coach Jules Coach Shane and myself um, we're doing we're uploading a video that we've not done before on our YouTube channel which is a mini documentary it pretty much shows you a day in the life of Jonah one-on-one, even though it's three days. Um, but it was a great time in Melbourne, wasn't it, boys? Yeah, quality, yeah. The house that we stayed in, the sessions, the elite training camp. Can't wait for America, huh? Cali's going yeah. to be lit. I, honestly, looking back at Melbourne, I'm thinking, how good's California? It's going to be like times 10. How good's California going to be if Melbourne was that good? Unbelievable. Shane, well, you're, you're not coming anyway. I'm getting the sun cream packed out Shane's looking yeah. after Sydney, guys. Yeah, yeah. Off. we're off. Him now. and Barry are looking after Sydney. Just quietly, we've had over fifty players signed on. Yeah. Um, and just from myself and the boys, to have fifty players sign up to join a one-on-one camp, which is we're actually based in Sydney. Yeah, the opposite side of the world. The opposite side of the world. It just shows you the support that we've got, um, and it is, you know, it's it's just crazy. We're also doing something that we've never done on the California camp, which is a coaches seminar, mm-hmm. our first one. So that's going to be interesting. We've actually got six coaches on that as well. That's deadly, yeah. yeah, so we're doing an on-field experience and a question and answer. Um, so people can ask us questions. So be prepared to for people to ask how red your nose is. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get it sorted by then. <laughs> Uh, so guys if you're interested in training with us in California if you're anywhere from the US we would love to work with you Um, the link can be found in the show notes of this Uh, is that right Shane yeah we had a podcast we can whack it in the show notes we can put the link in there we can put the link for the coaches seminar in there as well Shane we certainly can this is why you'll head a podcast (laughs) anyway I wish Darug was here right now because he's way more of a legend than Shane (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, any shout-outs, Jules? I love it when we do this, <laughs> Jules, any shout-outs? Nah, you put me on the spot. Nah, nah. no shout-outs today. I'll keep it, keep it quiet. Uh, just shout-out me, my, my man, Danny again. He loves it. Oh, he's God, all, no, loves it. You, you just said no shout-outs, bro. He, he's always listening to the podcast. He's always saying good things about his legend, Danny. And hopefully one day he'll be here and the kids got takers as well. So you'll see that one day. Danny, let me know if you want a signed Jonah one-on-one jersey from, <laughs> from Jules. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, Danny, top man, we always appreciate the support. To be honest, just on that, you always, you know, you always see who your true friends are that support what you do. Definitely. Um, you know, we, we've got a few good friends, so I'm going to do my shout-out this week to Lukey, Lukey Tice, who's, yes. who's actually done a lot of work for Jonah One-on-One. What a golfer as well. <laughs> absolute, <laughs> absolute half a swing. <laughs> um, Luke Tyson's one of my best mates, and he actually helped us set up, like, MailChimp, 
he did so much work on the website believe it or not because he's really good at websites and also like Shane yeah Shane Shane's good at computers <laughs> Uh, so shout out to Luke Tyson he's about 4 foot 2 uh, can't swing a golf club but he's a top lad and he's also I think he's the longest female also born and raised in Flint awful place love you long time guys thank you very much subscribe to our podcast Jonah 101 peace see you guys make sure you all follow us on our social media platforms at Jonah 101 football training at Jonah 101 tech And for any inquiries, head to our website, jonah101footballtraining.com.